life healthcare investors could be in for a windfall. The private hospital operator says it will reward shareholders with a whopping 8.1 billion rand payday. That's if the proposed sale of the UK-based diagnostic imaging services subsidiary Alliance Medical Group goes ahead as planned. Now the deal is still subject to approval and will be put to a shareholder vote on December the 8th. And if all goes smoothly, the transaction should be wrapped up in the second quarter of Life Healthcare's new financial year. And for the current year, a revenue from continuing operations accrued 10%, supported by strong demand. But headline earnings per share from continuing and discontinuing operations fell close to 17%. That's due to higher interest costs as well as a number of non-trading items. And that includes 971 million rand in impairments and transaction costs relating to the proposed disposal of Alliance Medical Group. A final dividend of 27 cents has been declared. This takes the full-year payout to 44 cents, which is a 10% increase on the last year's figure. And joining us for a closer look at that performance is company CEO Peter Wartenhood. Peter, thank you for your time and a good afternoon to you. And good afternoon to you too. I think you would have heard uh, in my very lengthy intro, Peter, uh, about uh, how the results look. So I'm keen to get your thoughts, though, uh, you know, looking at revenue and how that has trickled down to, uh, the, profit, uh, to the profit line and really the, the managing of costs over this period. I think the first thing to put into context, you correctly uh, described the 980 million loss in the period attributable to the transaction costs and the impairment on Alliance Medical Group. That's a direct result of IFRS reporting that we've effectively had to split the transaction uh, accounting into two because it wasn't completed before the year end. We've taken all the transaction costs and a small impairment, but there's a foreign exchange grain of close to 2.9 billion that also happens on the transaction. And that gets recorded in, in FY 2024. So we have this big loss recorded in 23 of, let's call it 900, and a big profit recorded in FY 24 of close to, closer to 3 billion. So that's a big distortion that we just need to put into people's minds, that it's not a reflection of operating losses, it's an accounting, an accounting anomaly. At the operating level, however, the interest rate line did hurt us during the course of the year. So the strong underlying operating performance in our South African business where, as you said, the revenues grew in excess of 10%. The normalized EBITDA on the South African, uh, the South African entity grew by closer to 7%, 6.6% to be exact. And the underlying volumes in paid patient days grew by nearly 10% during the course of the year. So it was a really strong performance, but we were hurt with, with some headwinds, uh, one of the largest one being the interest rate costs that I alluded to earlier. I must also then ask you, uh, you know, about the sale of uh, Alliance uh, Medical and maybe even some acquisitions that have also come through. Uh, you know, just looking at uh, the one in Germany, for instance, um, and also uh, Teramed and Nuclear in Benoni. Let's talk about the portfolio, rejigging it, um, and ensuring that life healthcare is actually not a pure hospital play. Well, let's talk about life healthcare post the Alliance Medical disposal because. Effectively, we then have 66 acute hospital settings in South Africa. Uh, we will have a hospital in, 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 in Botswana. If a Fresenius medical uh, transaction gets approved by the Competition Commission, uh, we will have a, a small operation in Eswatini and Namibia. So in the main, you then start to see a Southern African operation that's largely concentrated in South Africa, correctly described. In addition to which Life Molecular which doesn't get sold as part of the Alliance Medical Group and which is headquartered in Berlin, but is a, a big sales operation in the, in the United States, 
is completely different to a hospital operation. Mm. But for the bulk of what we talk about, it will be hospital operations in South Africa and how they perform. It's very interesting, uh, Peter, what you are doing uh, with uh, that life healthcare uh, portfolio there. I'm also keen to get your thoughts then on uh, the issue of skills. Uh, we know that in South Africa, you've uh, come out to speak about the issue of nurses and doctors. Are we seeing that in other parts of the world where you have operations? And is there a means in which you could ensure uh, that life healthcare uh, is uh, maybe, uh, you know, using skills from other parts of the world in South Africa to really look after that, uh, considering that this is a macro crisis in South Africa and structural in nature yes and i think this the skills topic always has to center first and foremost in the, in the south african context this country is short of doctors short of nurses and in the context of delivering healthcare to all and in running life healthcare specifically the emphasis cannot be made strongly enough that we do have to train more doctors and more nurses in south africa for the future in the context of life healthcare specifically we suffer that challenge and but you'll see pleasingly we recruited over a hundred clinicians specialists into the network uh, during the course of the year Uh, but overseas we have similar challenges the highly specialized nature of of life molecular and the business that it's in is skills dependent so the emphasis has always got to be on making sure that we've got the right skills mix in the company that we do what's right for the staff and that we have high retention ratios of those key skills to deliver uh, the performance required going forward. Peter, what we are also seeing in South Africa is a healthcare inflation rate that is normally way higher than a CPI. I'm wondering if your internal inflation, uh, you know, shows this as well. Um, and why we are seeing a rising, uh, uh, you know, healthcare costs uh, like at this rate in South Africa. And I think it could be a global phenomenon as well. Well, in the context of managing costs, one is in the life healthcare context, our tariffs are determined by the medical aid providers and they're negotiated. And as CPI has been rising, our tariff increases have been lower than inflation because there's a lag calculation that goes into those arrangements with the funders. So we've had pressure inside the system that our healthcare professional costs have risen slightly above inflation because we need to make sure that we pay our nurses appropriately so that our hospitals are correctly staffed. And they're the biggest driver of our cost base. And our tariff increase has been slightly below inflation. We'll notice part of that equation reverses as CPI starts to fall because the lag calculation with the funders gives us slightly above uh, inflation, the CPI uh, adjustments to tariff. In the context of healthcare in general, cost efficiency is an absolute imperative. If a healthcare provider has the social responsibility to make healthcare accessible and affordable by more people, we have to be absolutely rigorous on how we control our costs and how efficiently our hospitals run. Because if we are inefficient, we're doing not only a disservice to our shareholders, we're doing a disservice to the country at large. So the focus on hospital efficiency remains an absolute imperative for the team. And in the context of how we see ourselves competing in the marketplace for more volume, we have to be seen as the most efficient private healthcare provider in the country. Peter, speaking about access, let's speak about your thoughts currently on NHI. Initially, uh, the private sector in South Africa seemed to be open to a conversation with government. That seems uh, to be uh, moving to a more tense direction. When a life healthcare thinks of NHI, are you plotting that as a risk, as an opportunity? How are you thinking of it in its current state? 
Well, I think if it's risk and opportunity, it also comes with responsibility. Mm. And uh, Life Healthcare has always been supportive of the notion that universal access to healthcare for South Africans in South Africa is an imperative. So at a philosophical level, there's no debate. It's the right thing to do. At a practical level, however, Life Healthcare has taken a stance that's different to the way that government's proposing to implement it. We feel that to do something of this size, you have to have a building block approach and you also have to collaborate with private. You can't fight with private. A building block approach requires us to talk not about funding and not to argue with one another, but to talk about where we're going to get more doctors and where we're going to get more nurses. Because without those two components of healthcare driven up in volume, you're not going to be able to deliver more healthcare to South Africans. So let's see the plans to train more doctors and train more nurses and do it quickly. In the context of how one then has a pragmatic rollout of improved healthcare services throughout the country. We need to upgrade the facilities that are already in existence. We need to make sure that they're competently and well run, the ones that we've already got responsibility for as a nation. And I'm not talking about private, I'm talking about private and government. All of what we've got has to be properly run today. Then we can talk about the different roles that private and public can play in delivering healthcare to South African citizens. And a constructive conversation using the skills that already exist in our country is much, much more important than having disagreements about who owns what. So the, the extended hand of collaboration and partnership has been the approach that Life Healthcare has advocated. We extend the hand of partnership to government. We want to cooperate and we want constructive discussions that turn into improving healthcare delivery for South Africans. We'll be watching that one very closely. Peter, before I let you go, keen to get your uh, outlook for uh, life healthcare moving forward. What we have said in our results presentation earlier today is that we see the, num the number of paid patient days in our South African operations growing by 3%. That should get our occupancy levels in our hospitals closer to the 70% mark, if not slightly above, which takes us back to pre-COVID occupancies and the chance to establish the normal operations that a hospital group was accustomed to pre-COVID. During the last three years, we haven't had a normal year in life healthcare. If it, if it wasn't COVID, it's the complexity of a, a complicated disposal and um, some challenges around getting, let's just say, smooth earnings and no excuses. So we see positive growth in, in volumes coming through uh, during the course of, of FY 2024. But then the responsibility remains to conclude the transaction with Alliance Medical repatriate the funds from offshore, make the distributions to shareholders that you referred to earlier on. We are retaining some of the money to fund uh, the acquisition of the renal uh, business from Presenius, and we've earmarked some of the money for the, the, the growth and development of our life molecular imaging business. Sounds like a good year ahead, Peter. Thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. That was Peter Wharton Hood, he's CEO at Life Healthcare.